0: September 26, 1999. Double Jeopardy was the number one film, but legally you can't make me watch it again. Creed released their second album, Human Clay, just before Scott Stepp broke the seashell necklace containing Eddie Vedder's voice. Law & Order Special Victims Unit started by telling us sexually based offenses are considered especially heinous, and y'all still watching it. Meanwhile, in Charlotte, South Carolina, six legends battled for the WWF Championship. I think I got a braineurism or something. This is Helena's cell phone. I gotta come clean you guys. I owned the creed album i own the Creed oh album. i oh. liked the creed album i listened. did. somebody
1: call you a poser or? i
0: and i'll tell you what i listened to hire yesterday on my walk to work and it's not a bad song like it um, like it's it's cheesy it's it's definitely cheesy and and, and overblown but like there's still like a feeling that comes with that song that had it not been shoved down our throats the way that it was, I think that we would look back a bit more fondly on it than we do today. I at the
2: time liked Creed a lot. Like okay. had Creed t-shirts. Like
1: Guys, I know you're I know you're trying to like like lure me into some trap. I'm not going <laughs> to bite. I know you're trying to be like, no, no, no. It was cool to like Creed at a time. We no, all liked it, it right? No, Eric, no, you liked it.
2: No, we're not. I am not saying at all it was cool at the time. Okay.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. Creed Creed kind of, like, was immediately popular but never cool. Right?
1: Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know what cool is. I mean, they were, like, they, they were really popular, right? So, like... You know, they were, I think if you, when they were popular, I think if you, like, went to a Creed concert, I guess you were cool? I don't know. Like, was New Kids on the Block cool?
0: No, I don't think so. Well, I don't know. Spice think...
1: Girls, were they cool?
0: Maybe. But they also have, like, a kitsch factor to them as well. I don't know. I I, I think that we we can all agree that popular doesn't necessarily equal cool. Right? Uh, Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I, especially we've all been to high school, our high school experiences. (laughs) I think we all know that. Yes.
0: Because we were all really popular, but not cool. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, I had too many friends, but I what, like, what was my substance? Nothing.
0: (laughs) So, also, as far as music from uh, September of 1996, Eve released her first album, Rough Riders First Lady. Method Man and Red Man released Blackout. Um, And actually, my first real foray into into the more modern rap, Old Dirty Bastards' N-Word Please came out, which I just listened to that after I listened to Hire, and that shit still slaps. And it's crazy listening to those early Neptunes beats and thinking that Pharrell might not be the Pharrell we know today if it wasn't for the ODB.
1: Um, actually that that ODB song is also about Jesus.
0: Big baby Jesus?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Actually, um, I'm not gonna go into the to the whole thing, but there was a fall HF Festival in September of nineteen ninety nine, headlined by Limp Biscuit, and I was um I remember going and being very surprised when Run DMC did a surprise set. And after the show, me and my friend Jason went back to where the tour buses were, and we spotted Run DMC and Jam Master J. And there was a whole people by the fence, and they were like passing stuff through to, to get autographed by Jam Master J. And um, all the kids were being like super pushy, like, throw us your hat, throw us your change, throw us your... And then I... the One of the cooler things I've ever done in my life, I, I had bought a Run DMC t-shirt after the set. I held the t-shirt up. I just looked at Jam Master Jay and just like kind of cocked my head towards it. And he just did like the Neo uh, karate, like, <laughs> yes, send it over. I threw it over, signed it. And that is the run DMC t-shirt that is hanging in my apartment today. Wow.
1: Ooh, I thought, I thought you were going to say that, uh, you like, you, were you went there and were like, Hey, can you pass this to Limp Bizkit and have them sign <laughs> it for me?
0: That would be really funny though, to have a run DMC t-shirt signed by, uh, West Borland, Fred Durst. Um, Also, uh, I feel like your
1: HFS festivals are starting to become like uh, picture it, Sicily, nineteen (laughs) thirty-one. Like how many? There couldn't have been this many HFS
0: festivals. There, yeah, there were one. There was one every year, and there was two this year. So, Um, also as far as music from September nineteen ninety-nine, Mark Anthony's self-titled. Sting's brand new day. Hey, la, 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 la. The Long Beach Dub All-Stars, the uh the first cover band of Sublime featuring mostly members of Sublime. Uh 69 Love Songs by the Magnetic Fields.
1: Oh, what a good album. What a good three albums. Actually, <laughs> it's like there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that I would just get rid of if i you know if i could just like erase songs from uh from an album i would i would probably just tank a few but eric wants to. there's eric, at least like 23 good songs
0: eric wants, wants uh 47 love songs yeah it's just too many it's too, it's many, too love many love songs. songs no one has this much love and then like there's some really
1: really good ones anyway
0: go on and then garth brooks chris gaines album came out in september 1999
1: Literally, the the thing I will know about Garth Brooks before I know any other thing about Garth Brooks, <laughs> like <laughs> truly amazing. What what an icon!
0: The number one song was "Unpretty" by TLC, which I had never heard before Whoa. the other day. Yeah, I no I did, and then I, I listened to it, and and it's a good song. That's just all I gotta say. TLC, my old favorite band, now competing with Creed, my new favorite band. <laughs> a young bobby hankinson what was he to do um as far as movies go american beauty is starting to inch its way up the uh in the box office oh, ranking
1: fuck which, okay you want to talk about a, a movie that i i immediately saw and was like fuck this movie immediately oh good for you uh, cuz i was like thank i was you. like
0: this movie is so deep
1: this is art
0: <laughs> <laughs> but i mean i i guess so, so We'll be talking about I, I was going into my um my senior year of high school at this point. So I, I feel like I am primed to to find that a, a plastic bag blowing in the wind could be considered beautiful.
1: Yeah, I mean, like the thing about that movie and, and honestly, that movie was the reason why I like refused to watch Um, Sam. Was it Sam Mendes?
0: Sam Mendes directed it. Is yeah. that the guy?
1: Yeah, I, I it was like it was the reason why I like never wanted to watch Six Feet Under. It was you know, like there were so many things that he did afterwards that I was like, absolutely not. Not oh. not from the man who made American Beauty. Oh,
0: I feel like Six Feet Under definitely holds up.
1: I mean, That's I, I at this point, point I've been told I sh- I know at this point I've been told I should watch it, so I will. But um there was a time where I was like because okay, here's my issue, and I'll, I'll keep it brief. Um American Beauty when I saw that I had already watched um like maybe like Welcome to the Dollhouse or like Happiness. This the Todd Salons movies, mm-hmm. right? And like that's what that's what American Beauty was doing, except it was doing it for like the for the, the the greater public, right? It was just like Yeah. It was like guys, I don't know if you know this, but the suburbs are just as fucked up as everywhere else, but in a weird way, because they like I don't you know, there's there's actually like, uh, something going on underneath the surface and you're like, whoa, you know? And like, it, it was t- like when Todd Sons does it, it's fucked up because it's like, oh, this guy is, uh, you know, is a secret pedophile and is, you know, an you know, an awful evil person who also, you know, he makes kind of, uh, What's the, you know, he, he, he makes us feel for him too, in a way, you know?
0: Yeah. And at this point, like apocalypse now is like the deepest movie that I know. (laughs) Yeah. Like, like, like making, making
1: a, a guy who's a homophobe be actually, he's gay. is just like, it was tired at that time too. You know what I mean? Like it Mm -hmm. was, that was like, that was like playbook, uh, you know, the homophobe, the anti-homophobia
0: argument, Right. And on TV at this time, we had uh, the premiere of Freaks and Geeks and The West Wing. One of which went for a lot longer than it should have. One of it went for a lot less than it should have.
2: Eric, I think, watched every episode of both and has strong feelings on every single one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Watched every episode of Freaks and Geeks.
1: Uh, Loved it. Did not, like, I, I've only, I've still only watched maybe three episodes of West Wing. I, I literally, I, I tried, I, I just couldn't do it. It's so bad.
0: No, that's the, that's the correct response. Um, so we check in on, on where everybody was. So we're, it's September, a new school year has started. Eric, if I'm keeping track, you're starting your sophomore year of college?
1: Uh... Yeah, it must it must have been sophomore year at this point. Uh so it's fall, it's September of 99. Yeah, yeah, it was sophomore year. Uh I was already uh uh living off campus cuz like everyone lives like you you live in dorm like the first year but then immediately afterwards like, you know, if you're cool, you uh you move off campus. So I I uh was living with a friend. But were near you popular? A bar. No, not at all. Um, I was living near a bar that was like, you know, right next door to us, except that uh, we were, I don't know, I was like, what, 18, 19. And um, this was the bar that the grad students go to. So they definitely carted. And we're like, cool, man. So I guess we'll never drink here for for the next, for the year that we're leasing this apartment.
0: I'm sorry. Did you go to drink there eventually?
1: Yeah, it turned out on the inside, it's not that great. You know, it was fine.
0: I can remember, so I'm not in college in, in September of 1999 yet, but um, freshman or sophomore year of college, we would go to hang out where the bars were, like when they let out, and just kind of like hang out outside on the sidewalk with people who had just been to a bar. <laughs> I don't know. We're just like, oh, we just like to uh, to breathe in the atmosphere. I
1: mean, look, every college has their, has their culture. Like, mm-hmm. if, everybody, if other people are doing it, I guess it makes sense. No, like, I, don't if think everybody people, likes... I don't think other people were doing oh. it.
0: I think it was just like the three of us, three friends, would go down to where the bars let out and just, like, talk to people who had just been in the bar.
1: Uh, so that's weird. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's uh, very weird. I'm...
0: <laughs> okay. That's why I, I thought this was
1: like a Creed moment where you're like, no, we all just liked Creed, and this is just
0: <laughs> what we did. Bobby, are you starting high school? Do I have that right? Let's see,
2: September 99, yes. I am starting high school. It is my, uh, I am the first class to go from freshman to senior year in a brand new building they just built that looks, that was designed, the rumor, and I think real, by someone who used to design prisons. There's not a lot of windows, the traffic, (laughs) the design of it is very bad. Yeah, uh, I heard, uh, oh, oh, was it Robert
0: Moses? Mr. Fuji told me that that was uh, what happened.
2: Yep. (laughs)
1: I was, try- was going to make the reference, but I'm like, you know, that was last week, uh, even though it was about 15 minutes ago in our real world.
2: <laughs> but yeah, I'm starting high school. I'm feeling pretty good about it, I guess. I'm like deep, deep, deep in a Daria phase, and I feel like that's like what's prepping me for high school and the attitude I'm bringing to it.
0: And have brought to everything since there, I want to say. Essentially, yeah. And I'm going into my senior year of high school. Um, had my first big breakup over the summer, uh, but I'm I'm ready to to start this new year fresh and and raring to go.
1: Wow, it's so interesting because like at this by, by this point I've already done mushrooms. <laughs> 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 Like I've already, I I, like I had like a long, long ass trip and like you know walking around and you know all this stuff and you guys are just like yeah you know and I get I'm finally getting into you know gonna go to class with the big people.
0: I probably got my license right around now. I don't remember exactly when. No, I think it was in the middle of my senior year that I finally got my license, but. Good story, Aaron. Welcome to another episode of Hell in a Cell Phone, the podcast where we attempt to make sense of the attitude era of WWE 20 years later. I am your host, Aaron Benoit, joined as always by our wrestling historian, Bobby Hankinson. Hello. And experiencing this all for the first time, Eric Silver.
1: Happy to be on the podcast that lasts as long as, I don't know, like half a tab. We'll see. Half a what? Half a tab. That was an uh, LSD thing.
0: Oh, I I thought you were talking like the the soda. And it'd be it like... might
1: last for. A... I don't know how 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 quickly you drink your tab. Yeah, you know. He, yeah. If <laughs> it, yeah. I mean, it's tabs, so you're probably not like gulping it down. It's not that good, right? I would
0: hope not. Um, and also, just at the top of the show, we usually save this for the end, but. If you're enjoying the show, hey, maybe uh maybe go on to uh Apple Podcasts and uh, leave a little rate and review. We we haven't gotten a review in a while, and uh, it's almost like uh it's almost like you don't like us, so go do that. Or if you're around like I don't know, a friend's iPhone, just take their phone. Go to Apple Podcasts, rate and review us. They're not gonna check yeah.
1: out. You know what you guys can do? It's like it, it it can be a fun you know, like we're getting into the winter months um, we're going to be, you know, bunkering down a lot, not seeing each other as much as the as it gets cold. Um, what you can do is on Zoom calls with your friends, you guys can all leave like competing reviews on on Apple and like, and then play the game of like who left which review. Oh, you know, yeah, so like
0: that fun parlor game that we all know and love: who left which yeah, review yeah, yeah. on Apple Podcasts? Uh,
1: you can drop as many sinister clues as you want. Uh, and you know, and 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 maybe even like uh, ran- Miss- randomly capitalized letters so that we can see that there's maybe a cipher that we need.
0: Mister Policeman, how- you should have known my review. I left
1: you all the clues. Is, is,
2: this, a- is this how that game Among Us works? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> one of you is the podcaster. Find. <laughs> it's always the first review. It's always the first one is the podcaster.
0: So we're here now looking back at the Unforgiven 1999 pay-per-view from Charlotte, South Carolina. And um, even before the pay-per-view even starts, we've got an amazing poster with Hell Knight Undertaker shooting electricity out of his fingers, despite the fact that he appears nowhere on this card. Well, he got injured
2: and he was planned to be in this six-pack challenge for sure. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Who took his place? Bulldog?
2: Oh, yes.
1: (laughs) Uh, How did I guess that so quickly? Weird. Anyway. Well,
2: it's like one of these things is not like the other.
1: Yes. There
2: are...
0: One
3: of
1: these... Well... One of these things has not been like the other for maybe four or five years. Yeah. Yeah.
0: There are three, I want to say, matches that were completely different the Thursday before. So there's a lot that... They're doing a lot on that go home SmackDown to uh, to set up what is going to be the wrestling landscape for this pay per view that's happening four days later. Um, but holy shit, that intro! Who
1: who is voicing it? Was that Luna?
0: <laughs> it was Freddie Blassie, right? Was another Freddie Blassie one? It was Freddie. <laughs> I don't know. It there was a woman. It was Freddie what? Blassie at the end. There were oh, two at different the end. people. Yes. Yes talk but it was definitely freddy blassey the land but i don't know who was doing the as darkness envelops the land the night of reckoning is upon us with this four second like like they set up this flaming ring with like people through the badlands uh clamoring around it with garbage cans and there's titties and it's like vince mcmahon would 100 percent be a morton joe if the apocalypse happened oh yeah
1: yeah, I was thinking uh either Mad Max or like um later on in the stand when like <laughs> they've set up their like their Fuck Fest tent.
0: Very uh yeah, very uh apt of of CBS to be giving us a new stand in 2020. But those sh- Oh,
1: so I you know, there were a couple things like the the things that she's saying, I mean it's it's again, we're we're it's like we're back to the old ninety seven mm-hmm. days or ninety eight days, where it's just like kind of it if you like if you just let it wash over you, you're like, Whoa, this is epic. But like when you like listen to the words, it's nonsense. It's absolute uh-huh. drivel, right?
0: Well yeah, because it gets to um it gets to near the end and it says, um, something about preparing your soul to be unforgiven. And then Freddie Blassie comes in and goes, forgive us our sinners, forgive us our saints. And they're like, we just said it's going to be unforgiven, Freddie. Did you not hear that part?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's like, I don't know. It's like having a conversation with somebody who's like only half listening and they're just like, well, I got to, let me, what else can I throw in there? Like, it, I don't know, you know, like uh, like the the person who just needs to like, Uh, do, like, Simpsons references, even though the conversation had nothing to do with Simpsons (laughs) references. You mean Chris Jericho? Like, it was just...
0: (laughs) Also, do Um, you mean me in 1999? Because that was definitely my MO.
1: I mean all of us in 1999, honestly. I was on Mushrooms just going around (laughs) referencing the Simpsons.
0: Um, Talking incessantly about the one time that you did Mushrooms to anyone who would listen.
1: Yes, it, will, it was a big story. Um, <laughs> what a scoop. There was a point, there's a part where, where uh, I'm going to say it's Luna, who cares. Um, there's a part where, where she says uh, that they're driven by desperation, which like, are they? Who's, which, which wrestlers are desperate?
0: Yeah, it's nonsense. But also, I didn't fucking care because then you get the shots of like the rock with fire behind him. And it's too cool for me.
1: Yeah, and then all of this intro is followed up by a crowd shot where there's a sign that says, It burns when I pee.
0: The Rock is both cool and popular. Yeah, there we go. That works. Um, The Pyro is dope. The set is dope. I like the start. And then it cuts to, The referees are on strike. Oh boy. Yep. I will... um
1: it it's very it's it's very important when you're a company um showing your product to to you know, show all sides. Yeah. So when your employees are on strike, you should cover it look, you're a news agency basically. So you should cover that as much as you cover your own product.
0: I wish that they had uh had unpackaged the large um inflatable Undertaker they had at SummerSlam, I wanna say ninety six or ninety seven, and repurposed it as the scab rat. Ooh. Scabby
1: the Rat, that would have been amazing. They definitely. Should. I mean, if you want to pull it off, you really need a Scabby
0: there. I do, but I I like so the storyline for this Eric. Just in case you weren't able to pick it up, there is that the refs are tired of just like being assaulted in the middle of rat, uh, matches by wrestlers, which is a pretty fair grievance, I think, for these guys.
1: Then, wait, that those are their those are their demands. Yes, not like Stop better pay us. or. <laughs>
0: Stop. Yeah. Stop hurting us. Let the the hurting stop. So the first match tonight, uh, we have Val Venus coming out with um, a bag of martial arts equipment and an actual question going on into the messages. Is there a dildo in there and will he pull it out going against Steve Blackman? There's a lot of talk about Val's personal toys in there, and I I kind of enjoyed King and JR really promoting prostate play as a, a healthy component mm. in your sexual life. Well, it, it makes sense. I thought it was on theme because this match
2: was a bag of dicks. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> in that you loved it, right? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Boring. Who cares? My favorite thing. <laughs> I mean... Though I do, I mean, like I don't know how much we want to talk about the match itself. I always want to skip right to the end. So I have a lot to
0: talk about at the end, uh, okay, and, and very little to say about the in between. Uh, let's see what do I got. Uh, Brooklyn Brawler is the ref for this. Indeed, indeed he is. Um, I will say that when Val is on the top rope and they shake the ropes and he hits the rope with his dick, it just seems to work a little bit better with Val Venus.
1: His dick is his power. Yeah, yeah.
0: exactly. Um, um, but yeah, if you, oh, I got nothing else. If you want to go to the end,
1: there, I wanted to. Well, there, there's one or two things I wanted to point out before we go to the end. Yeah, go for it. Um, during Val Venus's, uh, like I guess promo up oh, top. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a part where he goes, um, "The big Valbowski was blown from one under the state to the other." And there's a woman in the crowd. It cuts to two women. One woman looks like, you know, laughingly scandalized. Another woman just looks like she's just like begrudgingly clapping for him. She's like, well, I got to give it up for this. Whatever.
0: <laughs> I, I don't like you, Val, but God damn it. I respect you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you got it. Well, you got to hand it to him. Um, I also was surprised about the whole Vince winning the title. Um, that was when I guess they were they were kind of um, previewing what would be happening later. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, okay, and then I'm ready to talk about the EMT. Who yes. is she an EMT? No, she's the not. chest no, did not, not make me think nope. so. So yeah. that
2: is a character we will come to know as BB Barbara Bush will be her name, uh, and the, she is obviously a plant. She's not a really EMT. The original idea for the gimmick was to bring her in as a nurse named Connie Lingus which did not. uh, And so instead (laughs) uh, we got Bibi. She is a trained wrestler and valet, did some stuff in the Indies, wanted to get into wrestling. We don't ever see her do much actual wrestling. Uh, But so that's her who I wanted to talk about. Was WWF head of security Jim Dotson, as in Dotson? We got Dotson here. Dotson. <laughs> all I can think about was Jurassic Park.
0: Oh, see, <laughs> With, see, my note, my note for that is Jim Dotson, head of WWF WF security, and Triple H's perf- personal haberdasher. They <laughs> yeah, have a I'm real, uh, a real style look when it comes to their hats. Oh yes, but I could not get over it. Dotson.
2: Dotson here. We got Dotson over here. See, no one cares. Dotson. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really it's like my favorite thing. Uh, but he was the actual head of security. And it's interesting. Cause I was like digging back in all the, like I was like Googling and like research on him and all this stuff, but you know, he wanted to be a wrestler. He obviously never became a wrestler, but all of the things I said, they were like Jim Dotson, who anyone who watched the attitude Era will remember. And I was like, I don't remember this guy at all. <laughs> and they were like, uh, he was an iconic just, like, part. Him
0: hanging around.
2: I mean, like, vaguely, I'm like, oh, I guess I remember the guy with a Kang... I guess I remember the guy with a Kangol hat pushing fans away. But Mm. I never did not know he had a name. Or that, like, (laughs) oh, it was like, oh, Dotson. Yeah, we all know Dotson. It's like, what? I I was so confused. Uh, The whole thing was just uh, really fucking weird to me. I was like, is he editing his own Wikipedia, like the guy who did Pacific Blue? Like, is that what's happening? He's like, obviously, the iconic, Mm. unforgettable Jim Dotson was uh, uh, just an absolutely integral part of the Attitude Era. Uh, not so much for me, dog. Uh, so yeah, but he's involved here a lot of bullshit. He's involved here at the end with Black Mint and then, and BB's hanging around, and so yeah, a lot of stuff.
1: Also, those EMTs like that were tending to uh Valvinus, uh, they they looked like they were joining in group prayer. Like they were just in a circle kind of just like holding hands. Oh, <laughs> it just looked like they were praying for the, for the sickness to leave him. That's See, all
0: I the was, insurance I'm, covers. I was not <laughs> looking at a, uh, I was not looking at a single EMT that didn't have enormous tits. That's yes. where my eyes were completely transfixed the entire time.
1: I mean, it's just, it's just like, look, I'm sh- there. There have to be EMTs with uh, large bosoms, but it just you're never going to convince me in a wrestling scenario that when an EMT comes out with, you know, enormous breasts, that she's definitely not a wrestler in disguise. You know, it's like there there must be doctors who have ponytails. I assume there have to be, but like not in the wrestling world.
0: So after this, we go backstage where Michael Cole is interviewing the Big Show, asking him about The Undertaker, and then Big Show says, I've been to the Learning Tree. Does that reference make sense to any of you guys?
1: Oh, I I just got caught up on the stupid pill. I was like, whoa, this guy's bringing it. (laughs) Uh, No, I don't know what's going on with the Learning Tree. Did he, like, get a switch from the Learning Tree for his father to, like, discipline him?
0: I guess. I don't
2: know, man. Oh, Big Show here, I think, is like 27, and he looks like a fucking million bucks.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, Moshef. And mean, he and sounds like getting... an idiot, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, and he's getting more facial hair, but still keeping the facial hair off of one particular spot on his face. Making me wonder, can he grow it there? Does he get implants at some point that allows him to fill in the soul patch? He takes a little marker before every match and just colors it in. <laughs> So next, the uh, whoever is announcing the next package was apparently also writing a best man speech because Webster's Dictionary defines "friend" <laughs> as know. one attached to Amazing. another by affection Amazing. or esteem. My um
2: my uh God. my notes on this are just in this essay I will, and that's like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's what it felt like. First, was first,
1: first, we need a definition of terms. When you say "friend," what is it you actually mean? <laughs> Um, I actually did then went to Google and looked up Webster's definition, and they're right. That's exactly how Webster's still defines it to this day. Wow. So th- 20 years later, Webster's has not come up with a better definition for friend. So the definition Timeless.
0: for friend has not changed in over 20 years.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, amazing. Like it, they, the, they should have been like, I'm sitting here at my computer trying to think about how to talk about D'Lo and Mark Henry.
0: So what we need to know going into this is that it started with Mark Henry going to an old country doctor who told him he was about to die from, like, cholesterol and sodium or whatever, and d training Mark and, and trying to get him into better shape, and Mark Henry being angry at for being forced to eat vegetables.
1: Right. He wanted to put butter and sour cream on all of it? I don't know.
0: I love the way he said sauce. Sauce. You know, brother get some sauce. By the way,
1: really what Mark Henry should have done was gotten a second opinion because I went to a doctor for the first time back in March and he was trying to give me this whole thing about my cholesterol being bad. Uh, And I went to a second doctor and the doctor was like, Your cholesterol is fine. Like, sometimes doctors are just trying to like. It was Dr. Francois. (laughs) (laughs) You're not pregnant. Um. Yeah. Sometimes they're just trying to squeeze you for the copays. I mean, and I'm sure the copays are terrible in the WWF.
0: <laughs> uh, but, this match was. I thought Dilo was really fun in this match, though. Well, even before the match even starts, we've got Mark Henry propositioning uh, Lillian Garcia, who glad to see her come here, uh, but not glad to see her there, and then getting slapped. And then Mark Henry enters with two women one of whom i think has an entire murder of crows in her hair ha uh the shorter
1: one i was like i was like who is this woman i like went on google could not find it but i was like i was i was feeling something you
0: were hoping that you could find naked pictures to masturbate of
1: yeah it was it was a a little bit of a ryan shamrock uh. type of situation or maybe like uh the Godfather, one of you know that one Godfather uh ho situation.
0: Um but Mark Henry decides he's not going to wrestle for the European Championship tonight because he has a braineurism or something. Um but then uh D just runs in and, and attacks and the match just starts anyway. I agree with you, Bobby. I think that D is really good in this match. I think that the pacing of this match is far too slow but it ended the correct way
2: yeah yeah it wasn't my favorite match but i did think uh D'Lo had that nice tope i liked the uh sky high sort of uh sit out spine buster he did i liked the power bomb there was a lot of good you know i all the good moments came from delo he was doing all the work here Yeah, I mean, I I think my
1: note for this was just like, it's fun enough. I like D'Lo, you know, did this blow my mind? Not at all. But, you know, it's fun. It's fun watching
0: him work. That's all I got on this one. You guys? Okay. So then we go backstage where many people are saying the Acolytes have met their match. To which Farouk responds, "Why? Because one of them is black and the other one is white." Okay. But the whole real purpose of this backstage segment is to show a whole bunch of wrestlers beating up Chaz, who we know knew before as Headbanger Mosh, and Beaver Cleavage. Uh, let's not forget, and Beaver. Cle- oh yeah, and Beaver Cleavage. We're, since we're not doing a deep dive, we're just going to kind of like do a quick overview of that. The. The one good thing about that story was having him be like, I'm not doing this fucking gimmick, except the gimmick that they then put on him is my name is Chaz and I wrestle in my boxer shorts. Which I thought was obviously very sexy as a child. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Nothing better than, than Scooby-Doo boxer shorts to really uh, show was Twas off.
2: the style of the time. <laughs> Big smiley but, face Joe Boxer like knit boxer shorts.
0: But Mariana, they, they... who, um, who, if you'll remember from last week, we talked about uh, an Al Snow promo that got interrupted by heavy kissing. Mariana was the one who played Mrs. Cleavage. And then she became just Mariana, his personal valet and girlfriend. But then she was kissing backstage with Sean Stasiak and they were making babies. And I saw one of the babies and he looked at me. <laughs> Oh a- boy, there goes uh, there goes high
1: school Aaron. 99 uh, Aaron is back.
2: Oh, I, I love that had so many layers to it and what's great every level I appreciated it ever on every level. Every level <laughs> that you brought it, I I enjoyed it there. <laughs> no, Thank
1: that's you. a no that, that that's a good use it, it's it's uh the Simpsons that's been wielded well. Yeah, yes.
0: exactly. As we get older, we need to know it's 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 not the cudgel, it's the uh it's a finesse weapon that you must use correctly. Um, but Sean Stasiak was formerly known as Meat, who was just the, the man that PMS used for sex and beatings. Um, and then he's then transitioned into his actual name, and they were kissing backstage. And then cut to an episode of Raw where Mariana comes out during a Chaz match with a black eye. Um, and it's just some of the more of the same old Women Be lying. Nonsense, bullshit, except with a little bit more of a dangerous element here in the way that it portrays domestic violence and women lying about it.
2: Yeah, it's garbage. there's it, it, irredeemable. It's it's a terrible story for anyone. It's even more. Ter- there's there's nothing redeeming about it. It's not like a bad. It's not like uh, something in poor taste in service for a greater angle, which you know, which is like you know, ninety percent of the stuff we talk about. Uh, but. Yeah, this is just put it fully in the trash.
0: It's um so in the Raws and SmackDown leading up, I forgot to do my little rundown at the top. Um, but we all, also already mentioned Lillian Garcia. Lillian Garcia is the new ring announcer. But also, there was um a, a blue, da, blue Meanie or blue mini segment called the Blonde Bitch Project where he said, next week we're going to be starting to unravel these videos that were found in the woods, and it was basically a knockoff of Sable that never, ever made it to air.
3: Hmm.
1: Uh, When you said the Blonde Bitch Project, I was like, I thought they called it the Rachel Zoe Project.
0: (laughs) And then uh, also there are, are wedding bells in the future for Tess and Stephanie, so stay tuned to a future deep dive for that one.
1: Oh and then and then test winds up uh, heading up NXT and yeah exactly yeah he really he really revolutionized the uh, the industry yeah we
0: all we all know that uh, that that ends in a happy marriage for the two of them but now we go back to uh, to unforgiven and Deborah and Miss Kitty are backstage
2: um, Miss Kitty who is charity uh, King Lawler's real life girlfriend at the time. Oh God really
0: yeah what is she 14?
2: I think it's acknowledged on TV sometimes if you listen closely. I'm not sure in this pay per view, but I do. Rem- I seem to. Re- I recall this is just an organic memory. It being uh, referenced on television, and, and not directly, but mm-hmm. if you knew, you knew. Like they would be like, "Oh yeah, well, well, you ha- well, you know, you have a you have a real fondness for Miss Kitty there, King. You know what I mean? Like a, one of yeah. those kind of things." But that um... was his girlfriend. Yeah.
0: Which is probably going to get kind of weird when, uh, when Armageddon rolls around, right, Bobby?
2: So many things are going to get weird.
0: <laughs> um, okay. Uh, Deborah is saying the first time Jeff laid his hands on her will be the last. Um, Jeff Jarrett has been going around putting women into the figure four leg lock. Um, and again, we'll get a lot more of that on a future deep dive as well.
2: Yeah, Eric. Remember when you were like, "I feel uncomfortable watching China Master because sometimes I feel like they're cheering for violence against women." Well, let me tell you, we are about to unambiguously get into a long stretch of time where there is no question that everyone is cheering for violence against women. <laughs> <laughs> so that is that's why you were, when you were saying something, with China, I was like, "Man, I, maybe it's my maybe it's all relative, maybe it's my perspective." But I was like, "This is fucking Gloria Steinem shit compared to what's about to come <laughs> down the pipeline, y'all." <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Because uh, now we are like fully and i'm like and as i was watching it i was like oh when eric says uh cheering violence against women he it's this this feels like that uh so yeah it's oh i i hate i hate this stuff and there's there's a lot of it to come not just in this storyline and these characters but for years and years and years to come it's i i hate it
1: So make sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. You're not
0: rate and reviewing them. (laughs) Well, because we have a lot of complaining to do over the next next few years.
1: Yeah, you have years and years of us talking
0: about this. One thing I did like, though, was was when JR was talking about how embarrassing it would be for Jeff Jarrett to lose to China and King being like, why would that be embarrassing? And backing him into that corner. I really appreciate that. That was good. Um, another thing that I'm I'm finally appreciating is Triple H's theme song. This this version of the I Triple like H- it! I, I I do now. I don't know. Um, It's grown on me. There is there is one Triple H theme song that that stands above all others for me, and I'm guessing you can tell which one that is.
2: That's the one that we need premiere. The da, 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 Yeah, exactly. yeah. Uh, da, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, da, <laughs>
0: Uh, It's uh, green onions by
1: Booker (laughs) T and the MGS. Hold
2: on, let me grab my fife.
0: Take my fife, please. Okay, I'm sorry. sorry. Wow (laughs) see yourself out, sir. Guys, 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 guys. My fife. (laughs) Worth (laughs) it. Worth it. Worth it. Worth it. Um. So this is China versus Jeff Jarrett for the Intercontinental Title. Um, Not bad. Not bad. I think good good match i was the second i would say the second best match of the evening for me oh yeah yeah i think people agree you know watching you know at this
2: point it's no question that china's a fucking huge star like Mm -hmm. the pop she's getting i mean like she's over 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 and i guess and i always remembered you know i always loved her character but like i her matches uh do kind of have like a plotting to them uh and which makes sense you know they're they had there was you know they had to be careful and and work in a way they may not be used to working or whatever but it's like uh she's like an average ring worker but like a way above average star presence Mm -hmm. like i just feel like just like the way the crowd gets behind her what i I, I just really enjoy watching her even though if i'm watching something i'm like that looks a little sloppy or like that doesn't look as smooth um but the guys in the
0: back and oh go ahead no, which I think pairing her with with Jeff Jarrett is such a smart idea because he can go because he's such a good worker that he's able to make up for any of the shortcomings that China may have in ring, where China is able to elevate him because she has such star power, especially right now. Totally,
2: and I think you see any you, when you know as we continue on China's run everyone she works with you can tell are like the sort of the folks they trust because mm-hmm. a she's a commodity so like they really you need to trust that they just, she doesn't get hurt but also um trust to like care couldn't like put through a good match and it's not it, that's not uh i think and for a while every time i like would hear that even in like research or reading about her or whatever like yeah china wasn't a great worker we all had to work harder for china blah 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 blah, blah. it always kind of like bummed me out because it felt like she was getting slighted but i i think now i can appreciate more just how I think I have such a I have more of an understanding of how wrestling works Mm -hmm. and how neither party would have had experience enough how to compose a match like this. And that's the inexperience is there on both of them in that sort of way. I mm-hmm. guess. And that's why they always feel green, even though she's had training. And apparently from what I've been reading and even like from, uh, you know, from various books and things like that. And cause now, now, now I'm picking up a lot of books, you guys, just so you know, uh, <laughs> but I'm going through and, and everyone always says like the, the guys always really respected her in the back because she took the bumps and she worked really hard, but they were it wasn't like, I'm sure it is working with Stephanie or whatever else. Or like when you have to kind and of be a little gentler, she was out there and she wanted to she wanted to work stiff and she wanted to work hard and like so she really like went out there and did the work. So she had their respect, but I think they still wanted work people were concerned about optics, but also um what's possible. Word. But I think this is a great example of, of one that went over really well that I just think it was mm-hmm. a really fun match to
0: watch. And some cool yeah, spots. Um, um
1: I definitely Sorry, what were you saying? No, you go ahead, Eric. Oh, I definitely, I you know, we, it's funny how you were, you guys were like, not bad. I'm like, oh, that was exactly the note I had. It was it like, not bad? Like, I, I, you know, there were parts to it that I, I liked. There were parts to it that I was like, okay, do I like this or do I not like this? I kind of, I think I really liked the great Moolah and May Young coming out, mm-hmm. and especially I, it's, I don't know, I don't know what's weird about this, but like, I really liked that they took bumps. So
2: like, uh, well, again, buckle up, buttercup, because you're in for a lot of that. But the thing is, they are tough ass ladies. The two of them like for that's what I mean, like actual real, real tough, like, like really tough, like in a way that we can't really say even like tough in a way that I think even Shayna Baszler couldn't claim. Mm hmm. Uh, like they're definitely the type that would be like oh we're gonna bare knuckle fight on this like bed of broken glass in like the you know behind this this you know uh old old-timey wagon or whatever uh they're great and then we'll talk more about them i think next week too whenever we dive a little deeper into this whole story
0: and may young was a fucking dime back in the day too
2: oh yeah and moolah's a very complicated character eric that i'm not mm. sure you I, i'm excited to sort of talk about but she has uh not because I'm a big fan, but because there's a lot of uh intrigue there. Let's say. Okay. Uh yeah, okay. Uh yeah, I'm interested.
1: I mean, yeah, basically I was just as you said, like they're tough and like it was to me it was cool as shit to just like you know, I'm used to having these like, you know, old legends come into the ring and they kind of like they school somebody and then, and, and everyone celebrates and it's great. Uh, what I'm not used to is, you know, they school somebody and then that person <laughs> then goes back and gives them some, you know, gives it some back, you know, like all of a sudden he's like kicking, you know, Mae Young or whatever. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you know what? Good for Good for all. Good for them, I think. Yeah. When, for just being like badass.
0: When that happened, JR goes, that's not funny. And in my head, I'm like, that's actually really funny to watch these two old women get. Knocked around by Jeff Jarrett. Well, they'll get
2: their come up, and they'll like they'll get to like get their revenge. Yep. and it's just like sure. I, they're they're tough, and they do the bumps. They want to do the bumps, and the, the the approach they always had apparently in the back was sort of like treat every appearance with Mula and May as if it could be the last. So they like everybody like went all out because they're like who knows how much longer they they could they'll be able to take that bump again. Right,
1: right. Make every make every appearance with Mula and and May their last. Essentially, murder those bitches. Um, so one thing I want to say about the end is, uh, Deborah moves really slowly. Yeah, like so. Well, I mean, have you seen the shoes so they make slowly. them wear? Uh, yeah, that's true. Well, no, I know because they have to have a certain amount of height outside the ring right. so that the camera, the hard camera, can catch the, them. The, the, t- the but, titty window, right? Yes, but uh, just like, just so much. Um, yeah, just it, it, so much time. Like, even just getting ready to hit him with the guitar is like, oh my God, this is why this fucking pay per view is t- over, you know, two hours and 40 minutes is Deborah can't get her shit together.
0: I think this pay per view is. Poor Deborah. I think this pay per view is two hours and 40 minutes because the, the 30 minutes of entrances for the main event, but. We'll yes, get to that, that I
1: also wrote that down. I wrote that down.
0: There were a few spots in the middle that I, I really liked, too. I mean, I loved the, uh, the the um, I guess, the vagina to the ring post, we could say. Um, yeah, that's a good one. She sold that really well. Chyna, like, literally throwing Jeff off of him during that one pin. That was awesome. Um, and she had a vertical suplex in the middle just showing off her power. And there was a very funny oversell where uh, Ch- uh, Jeff goes for the figure four and China kicks him away. And you s- watch Jeff like run and leap over the top rope to sell it.
2: Yeah, I think also the ref bump, when the ref bump happens, the ref also kind of like dove more. There's mm-hmm. a lot of like leaping, uh, really like kind of like overselling. Mm-hmm.
1: I spent I spent a lot of time thinking about that, um, that Jeff Jarrett oversell. Cause I was like, I was like, okay, if I was, if I was kicked into a rope, wouldn't I just bounce off the rope? Like, how how could I in in any way of physics, like, accidentally flip over the rope? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like nothing, nothing makes actual sense about no. it.
0: No, no, phys- physically impossible. So we want to go over the end. Sure. Sure. Deborah comes out. Pushes Kitty, uh, knocks out JJ with the guitar. China wins, but no, she doesn't because Tom Pritchard, the the one of the scab refs, goes to the instant replay, says that there was the guitar attack, and China is stripped of the Intercontinental Championship. We then go backstage where Austin says there will be a new WWF champion named tonight. I mean, yes? that didn't see like that guarantee that he had didn't seem like it had too many things going against it
2: yeah i don't really i mean then again there's been so many like swerves and whatever and 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 indecisive finishes it wouldn't be surprised if like all six men knock each other out at once and and, like it ends with like (laughs) and they all all cover each other (laughs) yeah and it goes and it like goes black like that's definitely you know it wouldn't be unheard of and then they
1: start a tournament the tournament to become the WWF champ,
2: which in the final round is interrupted by a returning superstar that wasn't involved in the first place. So like, you know, we we've we well somebody got how this goes. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: by the way, I know we, we jumped, we kind of jumped over it a little bit, but like, uh, they brought instant replay in. I thought we were, uh, we had this whole thing of like, well, you know, if the ref doesn't see it, uh, blah, 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 blah. But now well, it's like, Oh no, no, no.
0: These are the scabs. So the, the scabs play by their own rules.
1: Man, these scab rules.
0: So now we have our first pay-per-view appearance by the Dudleys, and as I was watching the intro, I was trying to imagine the depths to which Eric hated everything that was going on.
1: Oh, the the uh, the stuttering.
0: Yep. This well, this so Bubba Ray Dudley is doing his stuttering gimmick which you'll be very happy to know Eric just goes away. And like pretty soon, I want to say by the next time, by the next pay-per-view, he won't be doing that anymore. Um, And has the Confederate flag bandana on. Meanwhile, he's just some dude from Queens.
1: I don't, yeah, I guess what are they supposed to be? Like trailer trash type of thing?
0: I don't really know. The tie-dye doesn't work either. They're going to, they're due for a, 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 top-down rebranding and it's going to be a lot better for, as a result of it they come in there you know they're coming from
2: ecw they were huge over in ecw they were a huge act there this was the and and unlike a lot of people that came from other promotions they basically kept them as is the same gear the same names the same gimmick with the stutter they kept it all which is kind of rare for the wwf at the time right um also what's interesting about this match to keep in mind and why i think we haven't you know it's a little disappointing or a little like lukewarm is the last ecw tag team uh public enemy faced the acolytes and famously i i believe it was a tv taping uh they or it might have been a house show uh, i don't remember what it called, but they had a match with the acolytes where basically right before they went out public enemy was like oh by the way uh, we don't want to do the table spot at the end that like we all agreed to do. Okay, bye. See you out there. And the Acolytes were like, the fuck? And then the Acolytes proceeded to truly and literally beat the shit out of them out there and then put them to the tables regardless. <laughs> uh, and it got this, <clears throat> and it was like a whole big, like, it, it was like, a again, like a very like carny wrestling uh, culture sort of thing where like it sent a message. Um, and as you know, where have you seen Public Enemy since then? Uh, uh-huh. It just fucking destroyed all of that. So I think the Dudleys are coming in and they're going to be a little Also
0: also though for the better. Oh yeah. Our our world um, is, our, our world is not less for not having uh Johnny Grunge and Flyboy Rocco hanging around. T- oh totally. But the Dudleys I think I
2: think that's that's a factor in this. Uh and they're coming over from another pro- promotion which means they, you know, which they Vince lo- loves to beat other people's guys uh to prove that his guys were always better. So you know they're not going to do this here, but obviously the Dudleys have a very long and illustrious career uh, because I think they're willing to adapt to the new mm-hmm. style, and like this is their first pay-per-view match. They're new to working like this. Um, and yeah, so I, I I think I did not enjoy this match very much at all. Uh, I, I didn't think it was uh, bad. Yeah. This I match is boring was, as shit. Yeah, nondescript. Yeah.
1: I was so excited to finally see the Dudleys, and I was like, this sucks. They're Dudleys
0: <laughs> you'll get Dudley's like you'll, you'll be happy. Yeah, And Eric, thinking about what we've seen of tag team wrestling so far, and just the leaps and bounds we've seen recently, we are about to enter an epoch shift when it comes to um, tag team wrestling and what they're able to do. And so the Dudley's time is coming, but this was a bummer in every way, shape and form. Hey, um, who's Stevie Richards?
2: Also ECW.
0: Yeah, see, he was. um, We saw him with Blue Meanie um, during Al Snow's match last time, Um, and I guess his gimmick is just kind of like latching onto other people or to try to get over right now.
2: If I remember, sure is. Yeah, I remember. If I remember, it's like you know, sort of like a like a desperate sort of like wannabe hanger on. So he'd like copy the gear or something. But I think it is very funny that instead of the symbols, he drew the UPN
0: logo on his chest. Yeah, that is funny. That was really funny. funny. But yeah, Stevie Richards hits Devon, I think, with a super kick, and the Acolytes beat him down. um, Stevie Richards goes to shake Farouk's hand, and they just beat the shit out of him instead. And then Farouk shakes Stevie's unconscious hand, which was... I liked that. Yeah.
1: And then the Acolytes talk to Stevie Richards about what the Ministry could do for him, (laughs) and how he just needs to embrace darkness.
0: Except the Acolytes are, are starting to, to, uh, to move away from Evil. Like, in the pie chart that makes, makes up the Acolytes, ass-kicking is moving a little bit over 50%, and, and Evil's only at 49 right now. That's the, the Acolytes are about to also have,
2: like, a, 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 a brand, a rebranding, in a way, uh, that's not, like, dramatic. I mean, it ends up being dramatic, but it feels like a very natural progression, and yeah, they're really is about to hit. And it's really fucking good. Yeah, it's really good. They're
1: going to become the electrolytes. (laughs) (laughs) You look like you've been sweating. You need some of us.
0: So following this is a match that was a lot better than I expected it to be. Agreed. Uh, Luna versus Ivory in a hardcore women's championship match.
1: Okay, so when you say better than you expected it to be, you expected it to be dog shit, and it was like just kind of dog shit. Or
3: I didn't think
2: uh. it was any dog shit. I thought it was just fine. But I yeah. the ending, I mean, like uh, Tori and when it was stupid. But I thought the mm-hmm. I thought they had. To, I thought it was uh, satisfyingly brutal leading up to the finish. Like from the beginning, lots of
0: shit being broken and thrown around, and they were Luna. selling that it, it felt dangerous. Luna threw a phone. And I'm, that doesn't sound like a lot to uh, to any like y- like under twenty set, but a phone in nineteen ninety nine. If you got hit in the face with that, that show would kill you. Truly, it's like throwing a brick. Yeah. Who
2: threw the first phone at Stonewall? Anyway, uh, Luna. <laughs> I liked I liked the jump off the forklift. Obviously, I liked the copy machine spot. They were having like a good time. I mean, the stuff with Tori was. So- stupid and stupid. i'm struggling yeah. i seemed i remember in retrospect liking tori and for the life of me i i do not know why like yeah, I, what i'm a, watching now i haven't seen a single thing redeeming that's about an her. ice cold take right there yeah she sucks like there's nothing compelling like I, I haven't seen a single good match come out of her yet i don't like her gear i don't like her presentation i don't like her character i don't think she has any kind of charisma um i did think her body looked amazing during her appearance here
3: mm-hmm. but
2: which was the point of it was to show up and be like look at my body um, which did look good, but I mean, Luna and Ivory were having a, a, a match. They were having a go.
0: And then after the match, uh, Ivory wins, um, after the match, Mae Young and Moolah beat down Ivory. And I thought that was, uh, satisfying in itself too. Agreed.
1: Yeah. She should have kept a phone for them. <laughs>
0: So the next match, I think, is notable for two things. One, in kind of uh, going back to the limitations of tag team wrestling as it was before, um, especially with one of the teams here. But also in of the fact that uh, the New Age Outlaws, it's, who were not champions three days ago, they won the tag team belts on the SmackDown leading up to this. And as far as who they won them from, we'll talk about that on our next deep dive episode. But clearly the more interesting story is Edge and Christian and the new brood. And I think they know that. And so this is another one. That's just kind of a slog for me.
1: Yeah. I don't think I was awake for most of this match. (laughs) I'm like, I was like at one point, I'm like, wait a minute, the Hardy boys showed up. I didn't even know.
0: Um, the crowd is very excited to have uh to have the new age outlaws back. Everyone is very excited to tell the unnamed you that his ass better call somebody I'm very excited that apparently
2: uh Mr. Ass has seen the craft recently and has adopted wearing the that choker <laughs> for some
0: reason. I
2: yes. don't understand <laughs>
0: yes. Oh, what was that? That can't be good for you while you're wrestling or doing any kind of physical activity. It's not good for you, period.
3: <laughs> that, Between that yeah. and
2: Christian's, like, mesh shirt, I was like, what sort of fucking queerest folk splash all night gay GHB club am I in here?
0: Yeah, unless your name is Feruza Balk and the year is 1999, you should not be doing that.
2: Yeah.
1: And if it is Farooza Ball, what was it like being on Return to Oz?
2: I bind you, Billy. I bind you from doing harm against yourself and harm to others.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Do you think that at this point, Mr. Ass has realized that this is the best that he's going to have it? Like that this is as far as his career is going to go is tag team champion? Probably. I mean, I assume that He's smarting, because it's
2: clear at this point the singles pushes over. So I imagine at least at this point, I don't know if he knows like this is it,
0: but he's got to be feeling low. Well, they go over here, the New Brood attacks, and the New Age Outlaws win. And as if he needs to be reminded that it could always be worse. <laughs> <laughs> Lillian Garcia interviews the British Bulldog. With Triple H just, like, hanging around. Oh, right. Oh, I see. Yeah, it, I see it, what your your, your segway was gonna, was doing there. Yeah, sorry. Sorry about it. that. I always,
2: forget, I always forget about the backstage
0: ones, especially this this one. did i didn't find particularly notable, but I'll let you I'll let you set that up again later. Yeah, but that uh that backstage interview was really bad. Not as bad as it could get coming. worse. <laughs> 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 Let's just leave it all in like that. Yeah. <laughs> Because then there is going to be another backstage where boss man is telling Michael Cole that he's going to sodomize him. And then he says, tonight's going to be yeah. a night that nobody's going to uh, forget. He literally forgot the word forget. And well, he's not it's wrong on brand, man. I do wish we could forget. And it's so much setup. Like it takes so long because they have to set up the cage around the ring and then lower the cell on top of the cage around the ring. Um and Al is backstage seething, and all of this is just set up for a garbage match. Um This is Al Snow versus the Big Boss Man. If you listen to our last deep dive, this is the Kennel from Hell match. And it is widely regarded as the worst match of the Attitude Era.
1: It's... It, oh, the worst? The um, worst. Full stop. Because, I mean, like, there was another Hell in a Cell match with... Uh,
2: oh, yeah. with, with that, That's also on the list. But this yeah. is... With
1: Big Boss Man.
0: This is worse. This is worse. Well, I mean, so the, the they release the hounds. The dog comes Except in, they don't. And,
1: yeah. <laughs> Yeah, did they actually release? I think they just pet furiously and hold that and hold have... a tight leash on the and la- the hounds. But it doesn't but the have the same gets...
2: effect. To, it doesn't have the same effect to be like, I need you to briskly walk the hounds <laughs> around the perimeter. That's not as nearly as menacing.
0: Cry havoc and gently hold the dogs of war.
1: Ugh. Yeah, like. I mean there's got it they could have they they had to have come up with some other thing that they could have been like guys we need to this this dog thing isn't going to work.
0: And and well and, and and it's obvious almost immediately when the first dog enters the cage and just starts pissing right away.
1: Oh it did I missed that. Oh
0: yeah. Just like right away just like piss everywhere. Terrible.
1: i mean those dogs are probably really afraid This is this is too much yeah. stimulus for three animals
2: yeah there's a well, lot I th- of I think, I think it's appropriate because this match is dog shit hey <laughs> two for two uh wow. no, this sucked this, yes. this whole thing was bad i <laughs> i yeah i had, i i even i i just hate it conceptually even if it worked it went out without a hitch it's like this is bad like the two what? cages the escaping two cages that's not compelling to watch there's, it reminds yeah. me of the Punjabi prison match they do where it's, like, overly complicated and hard to shoot and doesn't... It just seems like a lot of climbing. And
0: it's like, I'm not watching American Ninja Warrior. It just... I don't know. The whole point of Hell in a Cell is that you, you're you not supposed to be able to escape the cell. So when the point of the match is escaping the cell, then it it uh, it's dumb in and of that. And that but even if they just had, like, a really hard-hitting match inside of there they spend most of the match climbing up on one or the other of the cages away from each other um it was too many cages yeah Yeah. (laughs)
1: i'm just gonna say maybe too many
0: and al wins but there's no catharsis to the end of this bad storyline that is better left well because
1: um Cause big boss man went and stole the other three dogs and he's gonna offer them at Raw. He's gonna say, Hey <laughs> Al, do you want these dogs back? Um I hope you come hungry because I'm gonna give you these dogs back, but I'm gonna See, have to do a really big meal.
2: Now the problem is boss man's acquired a taste for dog. So now he has to <laughs> keep getting more and more dogs. Honestly, I kinda like that story. <laughs> well now I can't stop eating dog. <laughs> um,
1: Anything, anything where they where they they take it into an angle would justify all the bullshit before, Mm -hmm.
2: you know? Yeah, no, I'm happy to put this whole story down,
0: please.
1: Oh, no, please take it to. Yeah, put it to sleep.
0: Uh, And at least we get a little bit of mankind afterwards to uh, to cleanse the palate and the dozens and dozens of mankind fans out there. I'm really, really excited for our next deep dive. The next match, though, um, three days ago, this was going to be Chris Jericho versus Ken Shamrock. Um, but its storyline: Chris Jericho beat Shamrock so bad that he had to leave for medical reasons, and he never comes back to the WWF. He goes to, on to um, he goes on to MMA. Now, why they couldn't have waited and kept that for the pay per view, I don't know. Like, I'm not sure why Shamrock had to begin his training that Sunday, but that is what it is. He had a neck injury. Shamrock oh. had a neck injury, and that's why he pulled out of the pay-per-view. Oh, okay. Then
2: that makes sense. I knew there was a reason why it was a last-minute mm-hmm. uh, thing. So according to Chris Jericho's uh, second book, uh, he uh, Shamrock pulled out with a neck injury.
1: Oh, okay. Are you sure it wasn't because he was too tense? He's always screaming. Yeah. <laughs>
2: There was a really funny story, I guess there was a story, because he'd been working, obviously, with Shamrock on the house show circuit, working off to this. Because, you know, every time they do these, whatever big programs they're doing there, they kind of, like, practice on all the house shows. But that's where they, like, kind of, like, plan out, practice some of the, try out the spots they want to bring to TV and whatever. They do it all the house shows. So, apparently, at one point, Chris uh, was giving him like, just, like, a chop and then kennis like beat the shit out of him he's like what's the problem he's like i oh, don't know those chops they don't hurt i'm not selling them and it was like okay like he was just like i got me-. and then uh, there was something on tv where he was supposed to chase chris like backstage uh-huh. and he chased him up the ramp and then when chris got behind the curtain he realized that shamrock wasn't going to stop so the chris kept running too because he's like he's going to crash right into me and eventually shamrock just straight up tackled him and he went see i knew i could catch you <laughs> 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 imagine like being around ken shamrock must be like so fucking intense
0: i don't know i kind of he's still wrestling with what promotion is he with now impact i want to say yeah yeah because i just saw a poster with him on it the other day i'm wondering what a what what a 50 year old shamrock is gonna look like at this point um X Pac also (laughs)
2: <laughs> I'm like, the words you're saying are, are sound like things I want to hear.
0: Um, X Pac is also in a bit of a transitional period right now. He's broken with Kane and and the justification for that is that he feels like he's holding back Kane. He's he's the small man in the the land of giants, which isn't a bad story, but they just didn't really do much with it other than get him here. Blah. Well, and Chris uh, Jericho this is, is Chris Jericho what? is here to save this boring, brutal pay-per-view.
1: He can't <laughs> even Jericho
0: can't. Well, Jericho at this time, you guys is
2: not has not yet found his footing in the WWF backstage with the crowd. Anything. He's got a reputation for being a little arrogant in the back, which makes sense um, because he is. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. But also the way he works is very different, and I guess I was. This is also something I was like that I got a clearer understanding of. He describes it in the book, um, and it is something I you you. I, I'm like, oh, that makes sense. I can see that, but I never thought about this part of wrestling. So he he um, describes he was, it
0: in the book as not being master of his domain.
2: A, a, a thousand and four holes. <laughs> Um But oh my god, I, I realized what you were doing now. Uh, he said uh, in WC. First of all, in WCW. They would tell them like who's gonna win and how much time they have, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Now they have someone that worked with them, like an agent that helps like put together the match. That's different for him. Also, when you're the heel in WCW, he would just sell, like he would like get hit and then he would stay down and sell the whatever. And WWF, the way they orchestrate matches is when the babyface has their comeback, the heel is supposed to come down and pop back up right away to get like a, to get like the next you know they do like a bunch of hip drags a bunch of slams mm-hmm. or whatever but he's not supposed to sell the individual moves that he would cuz it slows down the match but he was doing that and people thought it looked that it, he was lazy cuz it's a lot of work to get slammed and immediately jump right back up so you can get the next move or whatever in those mm-hmm. comeback sequences which I hadn't really thought about. But that was a transition because that's not what they do in every promotion. And so he right. wasn't used to that. So he was also getting a reputation for being lazy and not a good worker, which it seems crazy to us, having, you know, fucking drooled over all those pre WWF matches mm-hmm. and knowing what a career he has ahead of him. But at this point, he's like struggling to find his footing. Uh, so he's in there with X Pac. And when you are in there with X Pac, you're sort of expected, like, if you can't get over with X Pac, like, then you, the problem is you because mm-hmm. he's a really good wrestler uh but however xbox is also a mess he showed up really late for this pay-per-view and jericho thought he would just take the exact match he had planned with shamrock and do it with Pac, which obviously they're very different styles mm-hmm. and so this match was not great but they met I before thought. in wcw correct they did i think actually it was even worse when they did that i think mm-hmm. they uh they had a really like a famously bad time i want to say it was halloween havoc maybe 96 that sounds right
0: now, yeah, I
1: wasn't sure uh, what were we gonna say.
0: And now, uh, Chris Jericho has also been paired up with uh, Curtis Hughes um, as his bodyguard slash enforcer.
1: And is Curtis Hughes the guy who is a driver?
0: Hmm. What do you mean?
1: You met, didn't you didn't uh, one of you say that like? Um, oh no no Jericho. no! We were
0: talking about this was in in WCW. That was uh, Ralphus, who was the head of his personal security, and and Curtis Hughes is a wrestler and is like in in, in shape, cut guy. Ralphus was just like a a big weird looking dude, who uh, Jericho. Jericho would put in a crop top, and Jericho, oh sorry, <laughs> and write Jericho personal security with a sharpie on it. Got
2: it, Jericho also says in this book that Curtis Hughes was an actual literal narcoleptic huh and and once fell asleep, a uh, mid back body drop in the ring i don 't know <laughs> if that's true that I feel like might be it's that's only one source unverified, but I do think uh that is very funny to me <laughs>
0: that the idea of that happening. Yeah, all that talk, not much to say about the match. There was one moment where it looked like X-Pac went face first into the floor. And I was like, I hope that wasn't where one of the dogs was peeing.
1: Yeah, I, I, I was like, I watched this match and I was like, I don't know. Maybe I just don't like X-Pac matches. Um, I'm not sure. I'd have to go back and, and remember. But, you know, I like I like Jericho. I like, you know, he got, he got to do some of his moves that we saw uh, when we did the deep dive. And, you know, it was, a l- like, more high-flying than a heel usually is,
0: which I always enjoy. Um, but, yeah, I was just kind of... I was bored. And one of the problems that I had was this, with this match was that... Um, it's Tom Pritchard, right? Who was the, mm-hmm. the ref? So Tom yep. Pritchard runs out to the end of the China match to give China the DQ after Deborah used the guitar. Meanwhile... Curtis Hughes is interfering right in front of him and there's no DQ and there's not even an ejection of him from the side of the ring. Just kind of lets it go. I hate when they, they don't have a consistent internal logic. Yeah. Same. The upside down Bronco Buster was cool, but other than that,
2: not a lot for me to say. I didn't think it was cool. And Jericho spends time actually in his book talking about it in detail and how much, it didn't work how he thought it was going to mm-hmm. and how, cause it, without having like the shoulders for his legs to rest on. Mm. Um, it just, he just looked like he was just like aggressively mm. teabagging him.
1: That's what it looked like to me.
0: Yeah, I agree. And you didn't like that.
2: I mean, I loved it, but
0: <laughs> he didn't think it looked great. I don't remember. X-Pac goes over, I guess. And then Mr. Hughes attacks everybody. Is that how it ends? I don't know. I hate it here. Um, Xbox won by disqualification. Nah. And then Road Dog shows up. Cool. Yeah. Very boring. Cool. <laughs> and that
2: brings us, ladies and gentlemen, right to the yes to the main, main event, event. Which uh, well, that brings us
1: to the first half hour of the main event.
2: Well, all right. Can I give the bulldog catch up now? Yes, the British Bulldog was wrestling in WCW, and he got injured during a match because he landed on a trap door that was in the ring for like another <laughs> bit later, and he really hurt his back like badly. They thought that he might not ever walk again, uh, and they got he got fired via FedEx from WCW, which seems like WCW kept FedEx in business. It feels like <laughs> uh, even they were, they were FedExing empty envelopes at one point. So anyway, uh, but Bulldog then is gone. He, so he's he got fired from there. Stu Hart personally called Vince McMahon and was like, hey, Davey could use some work. <laughs> uh, uh, got anything for Davey? He's in really great shape. And I think the, the you know, or at least Bruce Pritchard's point of view, I should say, uh, is that Vince felt a little, you know, obviously after the stuff with Owen and the, mm-hmm. screw drop, the screw job and stuff like that, you know, wanting to make an effort to make some right. So brought uh, Davey back in for this. And with The Undertaker out injured, uh who else was a big enough star that could have been in this
0: yeah i think it makes sense there's a lot to just get to this match though as uh the package before let you know which um the package has just some like generic rock music behind and i sent bobby uh, i'll send it to you eric later the the original package here which included um I'm still a fan of System of a Down, even today. Um, System of a Down sugar at the end there, and I think it's a much more hype way to, uh, to set up this. But we know Mankind won at SummerSlam, and then the next night, Mankind, um, uh, sorry Hunter uses JR as bait, breaks JR's arm, and winds up in a match with Mankind with Shane as the special guest ref, and that's where Triple H wins his first championship. And then after winning that he proceeds to piss off literally everyone backstage so the 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 storyline is basically everyone the world versus triple h uh leading to a lot of shenanigans that leads to Vince McMahon in a match with triple h after uh triple h was was uh mouthing off to Linda McMahon um, and Vince yeah. is the champion
1: Remember when you said Vince will go away for a while? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, you mean like a week?" Yeah, 2 weeks. I think
0: it was like 7 weeks that we were without Vince McMahon on on WWF programming. But it's weird now cuz now he's he's uh face aligned against Triple H. Um and there's that moment where uh, uh, he relinquishes the the WWF championship because he's not allowed to be involved in in business. And Austin tells him that there was a clause in the contract that Austin is allowed to reinstate him if he wants to. And Austin asks him if he will reinstate him, will he get a championship match? So that leads us to this six-pack challenge for the vacant WWF championship. And a six-pack challenge that I'm not, like,
2: structurally, that's unique. Like I'm, I'm not how we're used to seeing six pack challenges today, which I believe are more mostly run like six, just like six man matches. Mm-hmm. This is almost run. This is run with two legal competitors at a time for uh, the other four on the outside being tagged in, um, which is strange.
0: Yeah, it's strange. Yeah,
1: why would they tag? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah,
0: it's strange. I don't like it, but I can understand for not having any kind of um roadmap for what a, a six man match like this would look like. Why they would go to that as kind of their way to, um, a, a way to kind of wade crowd through the chaos yes. more. Yeah, crowd control. Yeah. And it's fun. I mean, these are, again, fucking legends out there putting on it a is, hell of a show.
2: Five legends in the British Bulldog. Just having, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, map Matt. Yeah. I mean, it's, a, I feel like I don't have a lot of like specific notes or spots because a lot of like attitudes sort of brawling, uh-huh. um, but man, but it definitely is high octane, and the in the back half of it really is just like
0: oh yeah, uh, edge of your seat fucking popcorn fest. I think it really ramps up yeah, when the, um, yeah. the Rock grabs Austin's beer and spits it in in uh, Triple H's face. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, there was yeah early on. I thought like I was a little bit bored. Um, it's also not that interesting to hear like Austin on the mic. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like Austin was kind of calling along with uh, Jr. and and uh, Lawler. And it wasn't like it was just kind of Austin, like kind of just seeming like he's like, yeah, you know, cool, man. I love all these guys. This is it. Look at that. Look at that. That's great. And like, this is not kind of what I would want. I, if I'm if I want anything from him, it's him like, you know, be finding ways to put them down or being interesting or something. But it, it just felt like he was just like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just like a kid out there.
0: Bobby. Um, hey, Bobby is, um, is Austin yeah. hurt already yes. right now? Cause okay. Yes. He's hurt. So they're really limiting or they're really limited with what they like, like his pitch yes. count is, is very high right now. And, and they've got to make sure that they're using him as sparingly as possible.
1: Well, that makes some sense because uh, I'm sure everybody would have rioted if they didn't get to see Stone Cold. Yeah, if they didn't um, get to see
0: him drink a beer.
1: Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, so early on, it was like you know, st- you know, tags that didn't make sense to me, or just like you know, some guys kind of going at each other. It was a little slow, but then you're yeah, it like it picks up, especially when. I want to say the the stuff between mankind and the rock starts taking place. Yep. Yeah. Definitely. And espe- and and as as they keep hitting the button of like oh shit, the rock and Triple H are like they're now they're back at at it with each other again. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, something that truly had, you know, it had it had some real um emotion to it as opposed to I don't know, the big show with like most people. Right, yeah, like
0: hey, Eric, what's your understanding of um Mick Foley and the Rock's relationship right now? um well, this is funny, so
1: throughout this match, I'm watching this and and I'm like, it seems like like Mick has decided he wants to align with the rock, mm-hmm. like he. He doesn't like he won't he tags in someone else to take on the rock because he doesn't want to not I don't think out of fear. I think he he was just kind of like that. You know, there's the whole thing where he gives him the thumbs up and he seems to want to work with the rock. It also seems like the rock is a little bit hesitant to to hit him back. Like when the rock um, runs up the ramp to take out a bunch of people like he notably doesn't go after mankind at all. Um, and at one point I wrote the note, I was like, you know, mankind never truly turns when he goes heel. Like what I've, from what I've seen since mankind started, it didn't, it never felt like he really turned heel. Like sometimes he Mm -hmm. winds up misaligned because, uh, he is, I guess, I don't know what the word is.
0: Um, coerced kind of, or
1: coerced or, or, or he, he's, he's led astray. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, he always means well, like it's never, it's like, like he doesn't have those moments that other wrestlers have where it's like, I thought, you know, I'm going to kick this guy. Actually, I'm going to kick you, Mm -hmm. you know, like that doesn't, that never seemed to happen. And then I was like, well, I have to get rid of that because, uh, he actually does betray the rock and at the end, you know, towards the end of this match.
0: And the two of them are involved. So I, I, yeah, no, the two of them are involved in, in a very, very fun pairing that that's going to be our next deep dive. Just to give you a little preview. Well, that's fun. Yep, it's very fun.
1: I like. Yeah, I. I mean, I hope. I. I hope that mankind's justification is it's the championship. I have to do what I can mm-hmm. um, because I. I kind of like the Rock and mankind being like pseudo aligned.
0: Yeah, you're gonna love it. This match ends, though. Um, Triple H gets a rock bottom and a people's elbow, at which point Big Show grabs Austin. Bulldog attacks the rock with a chair. Um, Triple H has the pedigree, and Austin has no choice but to count the one, two, three. But he also gives Triple H the stunner at the end, and then we get our regular Austin beer bath to go home. Well, well you have
1: to have a bath before you go to sleep, mm-hmm. you know. Make sure you brush your teeth, have your beer bath, and then get into bed, we'll tuck you in. All right, one story.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, I <laughs> got you now. Sorry. You so I, uh, I visited
2: my nephew recently, so I'm used to the routine.
0: <laughs> so, yeah,
2: so... Did... Uh, did um, oh, what were you going to say? I was just
0: saying, um, so even... A, a dog shit pay-per-view like this, where, where I think that there are only two matches that are worth watching, um, goes out with a fucking bang, and has me a hundred percent tuning in to raw the next night.
1: Well, you have to, it's the homework
0: for you. <laughs> and just one more thing to do before that for years, WWE hosted a yearly award show called the Slammy Awards. And we end each episode of hell in a cell phone with our own version of the slammies in a segment we call for your reconsideration. I'll kick things off. All f- oh, right, go ahead. Okay. I'm going to give Jr. the Michael Scott award for that, uh, super timely SNL making copies reference.
2: <laughs> oh God. Yes. Well, actually on that note, I was going to give the terrible intern slammy to Luna for not being able to work the copy machine properly <laughs> during <laughs> that match. Eric,
0: what is your copier base slammy? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I got nothing I got no no copies um I wanted to give so I was originally at one point I was like should I give this i've been i've been saving one that i was uh, uh called like you know the big show award because this was a big bad show tonight um <laughs> uh, but i want- I've decided to give this the parts and labor award uh because they really had they really spent a lot of time on the union uh, of refs and their striking and scab and labor um, for what ultimately was a, a pretty minor part in this whole thing. One might say it's not even worth it as a uh, as a, 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 a an undercurrent in this pay per view.
0: Well, they have well, now. Um, they have. Two hours of Raw, two hours of SmackDown, an hour of Heat, and then whatever their other shows are that they need to fill with segments every week. So I think there's going to be a lot more of, oh, shit, what the fuck can we do? Well, you do realize, too, this is uh, Vince Russo's last pay-per-view. Oh, no, I did not realize that. So Who's
2: taking over his head? Chris Kresge is the name. He comes over from MTV. Uh, He'll be with us for a while. And the good news is uh, credited with doing a lot more... um, cohesive overarching longer narrative stories beautiful um famous for his like literal storyboards he would make um but russo um the added burden of smackdown uh and not being really compensated more given more time considering his workload was was doubling uh and too much time away from his family felt Vince McMahon didn't really respect the fact that he you know was missing out on his family uh and and left very suddenly and it was it sent huge shockwaves through the company uh, it's also going to. So I think really pay attention coming up. A how the story how the stories start to change a little bit. noticing differences and also certain wrestlers that maybe pushed or not pushed uh, that maybe were getting a push because they were guys that Russo was a fan of. Now that Russo's gone, what does that mean? So a really kind of seismic shift is happening.
1: They also wound up using like a lot of breeders songs for a little <laughs> while. Like they would just have. Very random vignettes with like music of the time.
0: Great. Great note to end on. Love us, disagree, want to spit beer in our faces? Let us know. Email us at cellphone at gmail.com. Get updates on Facebook or Twitter at hellintheselpod or tweet at us individually. Erica Prime Silver. Bobby at Bobby Hank, and Aaron at Slow Pass. Our theme song is There Are Traitors in Our Myths by Disco Vietnam and our artist by Alexis Yavni. Find links for both in our episode notes. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back again next week with another episode. And join us in two weeks for Rebellion 1999.